Thank you all for welcoming me. My name is Beverly Ramirez. My husband is a pastor of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. Um, so we're, you know, a nice three, four hours away from all of you here in Miami. Calvary Chapel Miami has a special place in my heart. Um, we have been in ministry for 27 years now, and Pastor Raz and Izel have been with us every step of the way. They're kind of like our spiritual parents. Uh, we love them so much, I cannot say enough about how much that they have meant to us. This church has meant to us over the years. So many of your faces I recognize just from being around, and you all are just a blessing, a huge blessing, and I'm just honored to be here. You have no idea. So 27 years we've been married. We have six children, four biological children, two through adoption, and that's only recent in the past four years we adopted them. My kids, oh, and I have a daughter-in-law, and a grandbaby coming in January. So we're so excited about that. So my oldest is 25. My second born is tw almost 20. A uh, 16-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old son, 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son. We got, whew, they're moving on out now, quickly. Once they get to high school, they might as well be gone. Uh, it feels like those years just fly by. But... um. Let's get into the word, why don't we? I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to make eye contact with those three ladies right there. <laughs> I have an old fashioned notebook. Does anybody else still use paper? You are my people. I just need to make sure I get to the right page. <laughs> my husband's like, why are you not using the iPad? Said, no, I don't get along with technology. As you saw, all right, ladies, let's pray again. You can never pray too much. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word that's alive, that it's active, that you see us, Lord, that you love us, that you cared enough to speak to us through your word. God, I pray now that as we come to it, that our hearts would be open, that the soil of our hearts would be soft, and just ready to receive whatever it is you have for us, Lord. I thank you so much that you chose to speak to us. God, I thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I want to do is I want to read this entire psalm. Okay? We're going to read it from first verse to the last verse. And just listen. I'm going to try to read it without stumbling. So we're in Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. You formed my inward parts and covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. But search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. We can go home. <laughs> Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, in his book on marriage, says this. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known but not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. We all fear sometimes being known, don't we? Because if people truly knew who we were, would they still like us? I was telling somebody yesterday, I said, the Bev who's at home should not be teaching your woman's retreat. <laughs> if you knew what I thought or what I said or what I did, you know, even yesterday, you'd say, who is this woman and why is she here? But you know what? God knows you. And he loves you. Um, we have three sessions today. And the first one is called He Knows You. The second session, that's going to be verses 1 through 6. The second session is 7 through 12 and 13-ish. Um, and he, he is with you. And the third session is 13 through the end. And that is He is for you. All right. So let's look at this psalm. So... Verse 1 says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. The first thing he says is, oh, Lord, you, you have done this. Only you can know and only you can search. And who is me? Oh, I skipped. I skipped a whole part for the chief musician of Psalm of David. He sent this song that he wrote right to the top. Didn't skip anybody in between. We're sending this to our best guy. Let him put it to song for us. And it was written by King David later in his life after he had lived a lot of good and a lot of bad. Who is David? We know him as a man after God's own heart, but what other things do we know about him? Well, we know that he was a shepherd boy, son of Jesse. We know that he was chosen to be the king of Israel as a young man. We know that before he was king, he had faith to slay Goliath. 
We know that at lots of points in his life, he was running for his life, wasn't he? He was, how many times was he in caves hiding, knowing someone was waiting outside to kill him? He was also victorious in battle. He also murdered his friend to take his wife. He sinned with Bathsheba. He was not a good father, yet he was a man after God's own heart. Yet God knew him and loved him. In all of David's triumphs and his failures, he's comforted in being thoroughly known by God. He was still comforted. God, you know me. You have searched me. You already know. I don't have to tell you. I'm not waiting on you to find out things about me. No, he already knows. It's not like when you're getting to know a friend, you know, and you find out more and more and more, and you think, ooh, I didn't know they did that. Well, I didn't know they liked that. <gasps> she goes to Disney? <laughs> we, you know, we have social media right now, and many of you are probably not on it, and that is a good thing. But we are not meant to know everything about everyone all the time. We cannot handle this kind of knowledge, can we? How can we possibly love these people still knowing so much about them? You know, I have to shut it off because um, there's no way, there's no way I could love. But God knows you fully, yet he still chooses to love you. So it says, Lord, Lord, that word Lord there is Jehovah, the name God gave to himself, the great I am, the eternal God, the one who exists in and of himself, the one true God, I am. He has searched he explores, he penetrates, he seeks out. That word search there um, is the word used for mining, to extract ore. So he's, ooh, we got it, we got it. <laughs> I do this. Ooh, one time I had my phone on, and it was just going and going, and right in the middle of a pastor's conference. And I thought, oh, that's not mine. I know I turned it off. <laughs> it was my phone. Um, so turn off your phones. There you go. That's your message. <laughs> um, the word search there is mining to extract. You know, God has already done this work. He has already searched you and taken all of those things out. All the, he looks, he, he sees all the good, all the bad, and everything in between there. He has known you. He understands you. He cares for you. He recognizes your face. And David says here, you, only you, God, can do that. Only you have done that. David also makes this very personal. He could have said, you know, yeah, God loves us. He could have made it general, right? He could have used different words. But instead, he uses the word me. This is about me and you. Only you and I are in this room together. Only you and I are sitting together going over everything I've ever done. This is the same God who knew David. This same God who knew David knows you also. The all-powerful, almighty king of heaven and creator of the universe chooses to know you. He's not lofty like some earthly kings, right? He's personal. He knows you. 
He has known you, and he does know you, and he always will know you. This, this leaves me in awe. Um, just like David is left in awe here that the Almighty God would have such an interest in me. This thought does leave me breathless. But wait, there is more here. Like I said, we could go home just after reading it. Verse 2 says, You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You know. That word speaks of experience, of having walked with somebody and getting to know them in an intimate way. God knows you're rising, you're sitting down, and you're rising up. Do you know how many times you sat down today? No. No. God knows how many times you sat down today. Do you know how many, how many times you got up today, just this morning? I have no clue. But God knows. He knows exactly how many times I've done that. He has seen every bit of it, and he has kept track of it. This is mind-boggling. You know, if you have children, you keep pretty good track of them, right? But you don't know how many times they've sit, sat down or how many times, how many times you try to get them to sit down, <laughs> how many times they've gotten up. You might know how many times they got up out of bed. You got up three times last night. I was trying to sleep. All of these trivial details of my actions are known by God, the things I do, and sitting down, rising up, and everything between, all of these things are fully known by him. Imagine, imagine that. The God of heaven sees you and cares enough to know all of those little details that to you just don't really matter, but they matter to him. He's paying attention. He's watching. You understand my thoughts afar off. He understands. He has insight into your thoughts afar off. In their origin is what that means. That means before your thought was thinking about becoming a thought, he knew it already, and he understood your thought. How many <laughs> thoughts have you had that you think, woof, where did that come from? You know, what on earth was that? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. God knows exactly where it came from, and he knows exactly what it means. Long before my thought reached my mind, God not only knew it, but he understood it. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in Europe, he said, before it is my own, it is foreknown and comprehended by thee. Though my thought be invisible to the sight, though as yet I had not myself been cognizant of the shape of it, you have understood and you have considered it and you perceive its nature, its source, its drift, and its result very eloquently just said, he knows my thoughts before I think them. He understands my reasons better than I understand my reasons. You know, I, <laughs> I am misunderstood quite often. I'm sure we all are. 
And oftentimes it's because I don't even understand what it is I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. The Bible says in Jeremiah um, 17, 9 through 10, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But then it tells us who does know it. I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. See, my own thoughts confuse me. My own heart tricks me. My own heart is tricking me. If I don't understand it, surely no one else can. You know, my husband, he is very patient. I'm going to come out. I'm going to stand out so I can see some of you. My husband is very patient. And for the longest time, he's a very black and white fellow. I'm a little more, woo, you know, free, run with the wind. And he... He would be so often just very confused. We'd be having discussions, and he just would, I do not understand what, where you are coming from, woman. What is going on in there? And I remember one day, he came out of the laundry room, and he looked at me in the kitchen, and I just, what? <laughs> he goes, you're not wrong. You're just different. <laughs> Imagine that. I'm not wrong, just different. He couldn't imagine that. But you know, the Lord showed him that. And the Lord started showing him ways to help me even understand some of my thoughts. You know, he would start to ask me questions. Okay, so are you feeling sad? No. Are you feeling angry at somebody? I don't. I don't think so. And he would just run through all these questions. And, you know, one day he said, are, are you lonely? Do you, feel, do you feel like we don't care? Yes. You know, nobody cares. You know, I think I had probably walked by the same sock that had been on the floor for like a week. Do you ever, if you have children, okay, do you ever test your family and say, I bet I'm going to walk by that sock and not one person is going to pick it up all week. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to see how long that sock is going to be there before somebody else picks it up. It's going to be there till you pick it up, just so you know. That is how long it will be there. Um, <laughs> why, why was I saying that? Oh, it was one of those days, and I just was feeling like I was the only one. I'm the only one who cares about anything ever. You know, probably was a PMS day. And he was able to draw me out. But, you know, the Lord uh, does not need to draw me out. He already knows. There's not one person on this earth, ladies, your husbands, your friends, your coworkers, even the most godly of people in your life are never going to be able to draw you out and understand you fully. Never. That is not an expectation that we can put on anybody on this earth. That belongs only to the Lord. David said, Lord, only you. Only you. So if you're wanting to be understood, know that you already are. That there is one who already understands. And that is your heavenly father who loves you enough to understand every single thought and feeling even before you knew it was coming, he knew all about it. You may feel alone and misunderstood, but know that your heavenly father knows you and he understands you. 
that he knows me and still loves me just boggles my mind. I cannot understand that. I know me, and sometimes I don't like me very much, right? But he knows, and he still chooses to love you. Verse 3, I'm a verse by verse. I have a hard time coming up with points and little fancy acronyms and all. I know that Alicia, I've heard stories of her, how all of her points have a letter and they spell out a word. This is not, I do not comprehend (laughs) this kind of thing. But, you know, this is a poem here. It's a song and it's meant to have a flow. And so I thought it best just to keep it that way. God knows better than I do here. But verse 3 is, you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. That word comprehend there, some of you might have compassed in your, in your Bible. Um, that word, it means surround, but it also is the word for winnow. Um, winnowing would be the process by which they would... I'm doing the action without telling you what it is. Um, they, <laughs> they put the wheat on a big cloth, right? And then they fluff it up so that the chaff flows away and you're left with only the wheat. That is what this word here is. It's the word for sifting wheat. Um, God sifts through your path. But not just your path, but you're lying down. All the paths that I take, all the places I rest, the places in between there where I stop, where I go, all of that God has sifted through every bit of it. Have you ever seen a grain of wheat or any grain at all? Those things are tiny, right? <laughs> Itty bitty. And He has taken each one and just, okay, okay. Okay, you know, he's, he's taken all those little things and he's, the wheat he saves, the chaff gets blown away. Praise God for that. I don't want any chaff. But he sifts through all our path and our lying down and he's acquainted with all my ways. Acquainted is an intimate familiar, familiarity. Um, He is intimately familiar with your ways. Now, we think of a way as a path to get somewhere, but we already used that word. He knows our path. He comprehends it. He sifts through our path. This word way speaks more of the character of a person, Um, the way that you would behave, your journey, your character, your moral compass, um, your reasonings, all of those things about you that make you you, that help you make your decisions in life, your ways. You know, talk about the way of a man is wicked, right? Um, or, you know, all of my ways. These, these are the things about you, the reasons why you do the things that you do. God is well acquainted with all of your reasons, all of the ways, all of your ways, all those little things that make you, you. There is nothing in your path that has escaped his sight. He knows it intimately and purposefully and thankfully. He takes all those things and sets them aside for his use, his glory. He sees it all. He's divided it up. Each part is carefully inspected for usefulness. Nothing is missed. I may misstep and I may take 
a wrong path, because sometimes maybe I'm not paying close attention like God is. God never stubs his toe because he is paying attention at all times. Maybe I'm not. God is paying way more attention to your path, to your life than you are. If you ever wonder, have you ever, have you ever not prayed, um, but the Lord provides anyway, right? Because he knows your thoughts, he knows what you need, and he cares about all the little details. I was working at Bible college at the bookstore, and it was one of those mornings that I had jumped out of bed, and my hair was wet, and I was late to work. And so I was like, oh, Lord, my hair is going to be a disaster. You know, I'm 20. I care very much about my hair at that time. It's going to be a mess. What am I going to do? And I'm sitting there working at the counter, and this lady comes up, and I had been fretting about my lack of hairspray. This lady comes up, puts her purse on the table, and I just sense the Lord, like, why don't you ask her for hairspray? Well, I didn't know it was the Lord. I just said, oh, the thought came in, ask her for hairspray. And I was that, no, I would never do that. I don't even know this woman. And it came again, ask her for hairspray. And I thought, well, no, absolutely not, Bev. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Um, so she puts her purse on the counter and starts taking things out and guess what she had there? She had a little bottle of hairspray that she put on the counter as she's getting trying to pay for her books. And I just looked at it with my eyes wide open. And I looked at her, and she just looked, was confused. I said, is that hairspray? She said, why, yes. And then, <gasps> I told her the whole story. She said, oh my goodness, the Lord told me to put this hairspray in my purse this morning. It must have been for you. You know, he knows your path afar off. He cares so much more about it than you do. Hairspray is a vain thing, right? <laughs> it's not something necessarily that you need. But I wanted it, and he wanted to show me that he saw me and that he cared about me. And you know he's done those things for you, too. If you were just to sit and really think about your life, you'd see all those things that just showed up because God knew your thought before you thought it, right? Oh, 1020, okay. We're gonna move along. So he knows, he knows your thoughts afar off. Um, verse four, for not a word is on my tongue, but behold, Oh, Lord, you know it all together, all together in totality. Every single one of your words before they're spoken, every single idle word, every word in your thought life, God knows all of that. Um, have you ever apologized for talking too much? <laughs> or for saying something ridiculous? Or have you ever been told, you've already told me that? Or do not ask again. Or maybe you've said that. Do not ask again. Think about this. God already knows all of the words that you have said and all of the words that you will ever say, even your thinking words. Yet he still wants you to pray. He still wants you to talk to him. He loves to hear your voice. He already knows 
And yes, he's heard it all before, but he wants to hear them from you, right? Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. All those things you say in secret to him, he hears you. He wants to hear you. Say it to him again and again. Yes, he already knows what you're going to say, but he still wants to hear that. There is no other person on earth that wants to listen to you more than God wants to listen to you. He wants to hear from you. Colossians 4, 2, pray. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Don't stop talking to God. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That's Colossians 4, 2. Keep on going. Keep on praying. Ladies, this is your invitation to talk, okay? Don't worry about talking God's ear off. He wants to hear from you. Yes, he already knows all your words, but he still wants to talk and listen with you. Verse 5 says, You have hedged me before, behind and before and laid your hand on me. Hedged there is a military picture word. If you imagine an ambush where you're standing there and you're just being accosted from all sides, front, behind, each side. God is like that ambush. <laughs> he is there coming and surrounding you. He is there with you on all sides. Um, it's a way of protection, but it's also a way to keep you from escaping. You can't imagine wanting to escape from God, but sometimes we might want to. And he says, nope. I'm surrounding you. And it also says his hand is upon. He's not just around you, but he's near you. He's near enough to touch you, to put his hand right on you. He surrounds you, but he's also close. He knows you, right? He sees your struggles. He sees all of your difficulties. And he sees all of your enemies, and he's there surrounding you in good times, in the bad times. He sees all of your joys, your friendships, your celebrations. He sees you, but he's got you. He's always surrounding you. He's always there with his hand on your life. You can be comforted knowing that he knows you so well because he's always with you, right? Isn't that the theme of this weekend is you're never alone. You are so well known by God because he's always with you. He's never left you. You're hedged behind and before. The idea is just that there is nowhere you can turn where God is not there. You ever lost a person in a crowd? You know, God is never lost in a crowd. He's always there with you. Um... If you belong to Jesus, there's no need to worry about where you stand with him. There's no need to worry if he's left you. Um, he knows you. Yet Colossians 3.3 um, 3 says our life is hidden with Christ. So here's your life, right? And here's Christ. And your life is hidden 
right there in him. And so there's your life in Christ. And then it says that you are now also covered in Christ and God. You've got double protection there. Your life is there in Jesus. And then there's God, the Father, coming and closing that in. You're fully surrounded. You're fully protected. You are known and you are loved so completely. Verse 6, our last verse. David just thinks about this, how, this knowingness, how well God knows him, and he just erupts in wonder. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high I cannot attain it. Too wonderful, incomprehensible, full of wonder. It's too high. I can't reach it. It's so far off. There is no way I could ever comprehend the way that you know me. David is in awe of the awesomeness of God's knowledge of him. He says, I don't understand it, but it gives me comfort anyway. To be so well known by the creator of the universe. What comfort is that? You know, David also wrote Psalm 8, and in there in verse 4, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? But then he answers that here, doesn't he? God is mindful of you at every single moment. There's never a time that he's not thinking about you. He knows who you are. He loves you because of who he is not because of who you are. God is love, and he chose to set his love upon you before the foundations of the world. Before the world began, he chose to put his love on you, knowing full well everything that you would do, everything you would think, everything you would say. That God knows you and still loves you is the greatest proof of his love for you. Romans 5, 8, you probably know it. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You were running away from God. You were just living your best life, walking in sin, not thinking about him. But guess what? He was thinking about you, and he died for you while you were still doing those things knowing that you would still do them. He still died for you. That is the proof of his love. There is nothing, if he did nothing else, if he did nothing else for us, but that, that would be enough. That's the way he chose to prove his love for us. But that, he doesn't stop there, does he? He's done so much more for us in our life. He's given us this abundant life that he's promised to us here and now that he is with us at all times, that he knows us so well and he chooses to bless us. He gives us hairspray when we need it. He doesn't have to do any of that, but he loves us and he loves to bless us. I know you've experienced this for yourself and maybe Maybe you haven't recognized it lately, and now God is calling you to think about that, to turn your attention toward him and remember that his attention is toward you, that he loves you and knows you. I keep saying that because I want you to understand 
the, how huge that is, that you are fully known in every way. And yet you are fully and completely loved. Our Father desires a relationship with us. He knows us and he wants us to know him. That's the whole point is fellowship with God. It's why he chose to rescue us from our sin because he wants relationship with us. He wants us to know him as well. And a beautiful thing will happen for those who belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then, hmm, gonna cry, but then I shall know just as I am known. One day we will get to look at his face and we will know him the way he knows us. You will know your God the way he knows you. And he has made a way for that for you. And for me, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants to be known by you. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe of who you are. That you would condescend to know us. That you would choose to be so intimately acquainted with everything about us, even the little details of how many steps we take or how many times we sit down in a chair. God, you know each and every bit, yet you still love. You still love us. God, we thank you for that truth, Lord. Help us to walk in that. Help us to walk in confidence in your love for us, never doubting in Jesus' name, amen.